Hello and welcome back to this very special episode of our special podcast, which is coming to you live from the Financial Planning Association Congress. Danny and I are very, very proud to bring to you two special guests, and I'm going to let you introduce them, Danny. Very special guests. We've entered lunch, so that's when, you know, people have got enough energy to have the really important conversations. So we've got a name that is well known within financial services, Michelle Levy joining us and of, and also Sarah, the CEO of the FPA. So thanks for joining us. This is going to be a really nice opportunity to get to the heart of a lot of work that you've been headlining, Michelle. And really, first, we would love to understand because I've, I've heard you present at a number of conferences like the FPA Congress. And so we would love to understand... You know, what were the things in your review after you delivered your first, you know, your proposals. first proposal, yeah, um, that you you were surprised and, and how they were received? Like, what were the things that made you um, a little bit, yeah, what caught you unaware? I think the some of the things that we've been talking about at the conference today, in fact, was really the fear, I think it's fear around um, among financial advisors that I suppose unscrupulous or poor um, providers of advice will be let back into the industry. Um, I don't think that's right and um, but I was I, I think surprised that um, that was a real genuine fear which I need to really work hard to try to um, give confidence that you know that isn't what will happen. Fantastic. Now, I wanted to ask you a question um, uh, uh, around this process because this is a huge undertaking and I could not imagine how you would even start this process. And so I want to I go back a little bit from the beginning and go, how did you even start this process? Like, where did you start? What, what, what were your thoughts around the, the, the profession itself? Um, do you have a financial? Have you been through the experience? And, and, and all those sorts of things. Um from the, from the get-go when you were asked to do this, to take on this mammoth task, where, where did you start? Don't say mammoth. Um, I've started this 20-odd years. No, more. T- I, my first financial advisor was 25 years ago, and I won't tell you what I invested in, but it was a good lesson. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it's not a mammoth task. It's an important task. Um, there are loads of people to talk to and hear about, but it's actually a discrete piece of law that applies to a very large industry. So my job is to look at the regulatory framework and how that affects how the industry operates and what can be changed. So that of itself is, it's big, but it's kind of discreet and I felt confident that I understood it really well. Um, And I do understand it really well, so I know what I'm dealing with. Um, I suppose I didn't know that it would be so passionately felt by people and then me I've kind of become really attached to it as well so tell me about that transformation for you you mentioned that it's so so deep and personal for you now tell tell us about that transformation in your from being a a a task and a job and a a discrete set of law to being something you're so passionate about um well it started you know I was I am a lawyer who kind of gives in the main fairly dispassionate advice to my clients and so it was a bit of a academics wrong because you want to help your clients but it was a bit more you know at arm's length I think and then I started it and I sort of saw it in that way initially but then I started talking to people and I thought wow this is you know you know it shouldn't be a surprise I'm 
you know, fairly uh, passionate about my own profession, but this is their livelihoods and they, you know, feel it and live it. And then I thought about how it's affecting the people I know, my own children. And so that also um, became sort of like a personal project. How do I help my children? They're really in my mind all the time. Yeah, now this sounds exactly like the many stories I've interviewed advisors on of how they fell into financial advice. So we might get you to be a financial planner yet. Uh, Sarah, thank you for, for joining us as well as part That's of this great. conversation. Uh, t- talk to us a little bit about your process at the beginning, from the beginning of this process and how uh, you and the association has been involved. Well, I think it was clear right from the start that this was a really critical review for our profession. So we, we put resources on it very, very quickly. But the other thing that we wanted to do was really identify where people are agreeing in in our profession and I think sometimes there's a perception that we disagree or or that you know there's lots of differences of views but I've been struck by how many uh, views are actually consistently held by a wide range of different people and Michelle you used the analogy on stage um, earlier today that you haven't heard anyone defend the fee disclosure statement Um, that there are lots of areas like that where Everyone's in heated agreement. It's kind of a captain obvious that we need to do X or not do Y. So ourselves with 12 other associations have been working together to try to identify those areas where there is strong agreement and make sure that it's known that that we all agree on X, whatever X might be, um, and ensure that those things where we do agree and we're we're solidly behind a particular change or reform can be exposed and, and known by um, government reviewers and so on. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about the session because you've just come, come off stage. T- tell us about how that went. What uh, obviously that you know there was a lot of questions, and we might get to some of those questions too because they're on the event app that we can get to. Uh, tell us a little bit about the presentation. What you think were some of the key takeaways? Yeah. Look, I think it's really clear that of the first round of proposals that that Michelle and her team have made, the proposal for product issue was to be able to offer some form of simple advice. To their, to their customers and not charge for it um, so that that's perceived to be not like the personal advice that a personal financial planner would, would provide. That's the one that for us has generated the most debate, the most concern amongst our members and we did spend a fair bit of time on that today. So in those things that everyone agrees on that we're trying to highlight, has that changed over the course of the discussions? Have those things morphed and evolved or... I'm just reflecting on all the yeah, conversations. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of conversations. Because, you know, we've had sessions with, with Michelle and, and her team from Treasury. We've had sessions amongst ourselves, sessions with members. And I, and I don't think that people so much changed their minds or changed their positions along the way. I think it's as we came across issues, we'd come together and say, well, what do we think about this? And, and almost use it as a brainstorming session to say, well... Do, do, are we concerned about the outcome or are we concerned about the underlying principle? Are there ways that this proposal could be perhaps finessed or tweaked a little bit so that the concerns that we have could be, you know, done away with or, or at least let us go, you know what, overall we like the proposals. Can we just fine-tune this little bit over here in order to give us greater confidence that it's going to be a net positive change for ourselves and for consumers? So that's where most of the debate's been and where a lot of the discussion has been is, well, what are those tweaks? Yeah. Someone might think this is a better idea. What about that idea? And there's a lot of discussion. What's the biggest misconception? Oh, sorry, you go, Michelle. I was just going to say, I think one of the things that people do agree on is in the almost universally, um, people uh, accept that 
financial institutions, product issuers, this is, have to give some form of advice to their customers. I don't think that your members are concerned with that as a proposition. They are, as you say, there's concerns about how and about what. But I think there is an understanding that fills a big advo- it fills a big gap. Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've had this conversation with a few people around the concept of how do we get financial products which often help people, to be fair, in most cases. They might not be sophisticated, but they're, they're, they're financial products. In many cases, help people. Um, and there was a bit of a bottleneck of getting those products to consumers um, and some of the suggestions around what you've put in place. I always like to liken this profession to uh, the medical profession. And I say there are chemists and chemists prescribe the products that uh, doctors prescribe. Uh, but then there's also over-the-counter products, which aren't as strong. And then there is vitamins as well available in the chemists. And there are other products. How much of this uh, proposal, obviously your proposal is very much around the, the personal advice piece of this, um, but, but how much do we bring into the concept of product providers providing product that are advised products and then non-advised products? Um, I think there's a really big difference, actually. And this is something that I've talked about a lot. Uh, this goes to this thing about vertical integration, it doesn't make sense not to have vertical integration in the world of financial products because um, the doctor and the chemist are both selling or recommending, whichever word you want, um, drugs... Prescribing. Prescribing drugs issued and manufactured by somebody else. And that isn't what happens. So we use the word product to describe a financial product, which is a weird thing because you can't pick it up. They're not a good. They're um, a legal relationship. And so legal relationships don't exist without a a relationship and without a conversation. It might be be online or it might be in writing. But there's an interaction. And that interaction will invariably include advice. So... Those people who don't like the idea of vertical integration, I say, well, what do you think is going to happen? How am I going to... I'm not going to go and pick up my bank account from the chemist. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, um, Sorry. So, so, I was attacking your analogy. I didn't mean to. Uh, that's good. That's good. Healthy, healthy conversation. We had another take on it, interestingly, because one of the paths we went down as a group was, well, should we use an analogy from another profession? And the idea of, well, is cryptocurrency a Schedule 8 drug, for example, whereas is like a a vanilla, non-geared Australian equity share fund ETF, is that a box of Panadol that I could get from the supermarket shop? And we did go quite a long way having that discussion. But I think at the end of the day, the other challenge for us is we know that not everything we do is financial product advice, but that's Michelle's remit. So, you know, we had a lot of discussions about whether, you know, there should be a Financial Advice Act. We should recognise that advice about aged care, about Centrelink and so on, is is part of an advisor's remit and is currently not regulated in the same way. But the reality is that's not in the remit of this particular review. So we had to really focus quite narrowly on what is the opportunity with this review? What are these, what are the ideas that are going to work and make our profession better from this review? Yep. Now, after you release the first draft... Proposals proposal. paper. Proposals paper. I better get my terminology correct. We'll get it right by the end of this podcast, <laughs> Michelle. I'm not, I'm not good for terminology <laughs> details, by the way. Um, t- t- tell us about uh, that, that after. Did, were you surprised at what happened after there, or were you expecting uh, a, quite a strong debate? 
I think we were expecting it because we'd already met with people. So I knew that by this stage I'd worked out that people were pretty passionate about their topic and their profession and their interests. So, um, yeah, no, no, I, I was expecting it. We'd all, you know, set up lots of meetings and roundtables and we did have a – this is where Treasury has been really helpful. Great. They've, you know, we had – always anticipated from the very beginning that we would do lots of consultation. I think the proposals paper, uh, I think, was a suggestion that somebody gave me early on and I'm very grateful for that suggestion because it was really helpful to... It's allowed me to find the problems and the issues that I need to address and the areas that I'm changing. So with all those submissions that you've received, and I know the second round of submissions are now closed, what were the, were there a couple of things where there were significant insights that have sort of shifted a perception for you or a view for you? Are there are a few that you can talk about that, that sort of come to the top? I know there's probably lots of nuances, but from those submissions, were there a few things that you said, well, I hadn't considered that from that angle? It was actually quite hard because there were no... There was more division, perhaps, than I thought there might have been. Um, it's the same concern that Sarah referred to, that a lot of advisors are worried about people other than advisors giving advice, but they didn't address that all in the same way. So they had, so that made it really hard then to say, well, there's not a single idea out there. And without going to the, the content, if I adjusted X then that would make a whole lot of other people unhappy. So these things all work together and as soon as you shift one little bit, there's a whole lot of other people over there who'll be unhappy. So what I walked away from, in fact, feeling was it was my job to persuade much more than change because the package, I think, most of all it's good for consumers, which is my job, but it's actually good for advisors as well. So... Even though it's not perfect for them, it may not be their absolute wish list, it ultimately is good for them. But if I was to just say, well, let's draw a wall around this and one of the proposals is that there should be subjects to your earlier suggestion that non-financial advisors should be able to give advice on, then there'll be a whole bunch of other people who will say, well, actually, those are the wrong subjects and that's really hard or they'll be upset, you know. So that was the difficult. That is the difficulty, I think. So a whole lot of voices, not necessarily uniform. Mm. Do you have a comment on that, Sarah, from the, from the voices that you hear from, you know, various associations in your collective work? What, what would your comment yes, be on that? Yes, I, I mean, I think that's fair. There are areas where we agree. There are areas where we don't agree. Um, and one of the challenges we've faced through this particular review is the time to reconcile those viewpoints. So getting 12 associations together, saying, so, what do we reckon about X? Uh, exploring what the, what the views are and then exploring the solutions. It takes time to do effectively. And sometimes we haven't had enough time to get all of the groups together. So there are a few occasions where we might have submitted jointly with one other association or three other associations. So whenever we have got to the end point with a group, we reflect that. But that's an area where we would have loved to have had more time because I think if we'd had that, we probably could have given a more coherent, consistent answer. But I, I don't take it as um, necessarily a done deal because when Michelle presents the 
the final paper to the minister, I think there will probably be more conversations. So we're certainly not going to stop and, you know, all, all take our bat and ball and go home on 17th of December. We'll be continuing to work on this and continuing to advocate for and put forward the solutions that we think will help. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and and what just one of the th- questions that's come up on the on the on the chat that within the room, but also something that I've um, always been interested in is around the concept of general advice and the definitions and all those things. We talk about product advice, but um, you know, ex- you know, having all those different clear definitions of from a consumer's point of view, I guess is the is the is the point there because we can come up with all these terms uh, as because we know the legislation, um, but consumers, it's that consumer facing isn't it is trying to work out if they understand what the difference between personal and, and yeah they don't they don't which is why i want to get rid of it i don't want people to it's one of the reasons i was quite keen to get rid of general advice out of the whole regime so my proposal is that what is now covered defined as personal advice which is advice that considers the client's personal circumstances would be broadened and that's so that to assist quality by requiring the provider of advice to take into account their client's circumstances in a broader range of cases than they do now. But that isn't a term that needs to be consumer-facing. General advice needs to disappear from our vocabulary, in my view. Um, financial product advice is also something that could disappear from our vocabulary and that's why I haven't spent much time worrying about labels. I say don't make them consumer-facing. They serve a purpose in the act, but that's it. I love the term professional advice, by the way, just to hint, just to <laughs> throw that one in there. Okay. Uh, thank you so much uh, for coming in and chatting with us today. I really appreciate your time and effort, uh, and, and, and obviously it's been a pretty busy uh, Congress. Sarah, I'm going to ask you a couple of things about the Congress. How's it been? You've obviously been pretty involved. Yeah, look, it's fantastic to see it coming to life. You know, th- this particular one's been a very long time in the making, because of COVID, yep. it's been three years since we got together. This particular one was postponed twice. So to actually be here and see it and have such a great show up, right? We've got 1,200 people here. You know, it's, it's just fantastic to feel like we're back. Yes. And face-to-face is back and it's great to see everyone. Yes, the hustle and bustle is certainly uh, that as everyone walks yeah. in to have their lunch. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. We really appreciate your time and, and coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Fraser. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Sarah.